0: deciphering the the audience for any campaign whether it's going to be a very targeted one or something that we send to a large audience in my opinion my cheat sheet is like addressing the two w's so those two w's are the who And the why, the who is the piece where you're segmenting a target population based on what they're looking for. Do they align with the goals that you've set for your campaign? Do they have a persona that you have, you're setting a relevant criteria and that can have a persona, everything that goes into choosing this target population for your campaign. Mm -hmm. And the other thing would be the why. And the why piece is basically the reasoning behind choosing this target population. And both of these W's basically go back to your goal as to your filling uh, like we said in in recruitment marketing if you are filling a role you have a vacancy what is your goal are you just trying to make people aware or inform them of uh, some vacancies that are coming mm-hmm. or you are trying to actually fill a role which is time sensitive
1: Welcome, 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 everyone, and happy Thursday. Uh, You know what Thursdays mean around these parts. It is time for Talent Experience Live, the show that covers everything that you need to know in recruitment, talent acquisition, talent management, human resources as a whole, and everything in between. I am your host, Devin Foster, and today we have a very special episode. We are talking about recruitment marketing and how to think like a marketer and how to create content that people want. Um, You could call Taylor Swift for something like this, but unfortunately she is unavailable at the moment. So rather than that, we are here to help you. And the reason why this topic has come up is we had a meeting with some of our customer facing teams over the, the past few weeks. And they said, recruiters are really struggling with the idea of recruitment marketing. Not so much the concept of it, they they grasp it, but it can be a little bit intimidating to send out campaigns, to reach massive audience for some of those tough to fill roles. And today we're going to talk with a few of the marketing folks here at Phenom as to what our keys to success are, how we maybe Dove into marketing and how we got over some of those humps that recruiters are facing today. So without any further hesitation, we have our first guest, one of three today. I'm going to bring on Monica Montessa to talk a little bit more about the marketing mindset as a whole. Monica how are you?
2: I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Kevin. I'm sorry I'm not Taylor Swift, but you're <laughs> stuck with me. You're all stuck with me for today.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm not Travis Kelsey, so we're all losing today. But um, no, it's it. You are the perfect person to talk to. Um, you head up our content team here. Everything that goes out the door for Phenom, I think you have at least seen, if not put your fingerprints on, and made sure that it is up to the task. So I want to talk to you conceptually, overall. Sure. What do you think a marketing mindset is with regards to talent acquisition and recruitment?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I think just in general, when we hear the words marketing mindset, it sounds scary. And to be honest, it's kind of a scary place mm-hmm. once you start delving into the mind of a marketer. Yeah. Um, but at, at the heart of it all, it's it's really pretty simple. Yeah. And I think for HR professionals, whether you're, you're a recruiter, getting started for the first time, looking to advance your recruitment marketing strategies, if you're on a TA team, it, your, your main focus, is people, right? Your your job is to help attract new talent to your company. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what marketers are doing. It's, yeah. it's all about the people. That's the heart of it at the end of the day. And when we, as marketers, when we're thinking about our target, you know, per, our target audience, it's really the potential customer, the potential buyer, or and at some point maybe they are a customer, and we want to engage and nurture them and give them more tips on, you know, how to leverage products and things like that. Um, and for HR professionals, it's very similar. You know, you want to be able to establish that connection with uh, your target uh, audience, which in this case would be the job seeker, the candidate. Uh, your future employee. And you want to keep them engaged. You want to build that relationship. And so there's so many great parallels between what what marketers focus on and what recruiters and talent acquisition specialists are doing on the day-to-day to to help build those relationships and then Mm -hmm. get to that end goal, um, whether that's hiring somebody or helping to move somebody within a company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've uh, been quoted on this program multiple times of saying how Uh, recruitment and sales is very synonymous, right? Rather than selling a product or a service, you are selling a position. And when we think of recruitment marketing, um, it just like in traditional sales, marketing has an angle there, right? It's that top level filling the funnel. Now, I know that you did a webinar um, with Tom Tate a few maybe years ago at this point. Um, So what better time to, to refresh the content? But you two both kind of broke down I want to call them four buckets, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the marketing mindset or thinking like a marketer, one's being data-driven, okay. the other is conversion people first. And then also, I think maybe the most important underlying factor is being on brand. Can sure. you talk about those four factors uh, from a high level, sure. um, and how they can be applied to recruitment marketing?
2: Yeah, Definitely. I think, you know, in in general, again, when we talk about marketing, there's so many different ways you can slice and dice, but I think these four principles really capture just the heart of it all. And the first being data driven. So anything that we do, we always want to make sure that we're tracking uh, email sends, we're tracking traffic to our website, to our blogs, social media engagement and performance. We want to make sure that everything that we're producing, we're looking at how it's performing. And this really gives us a sense of, okay, what's working, what's not working, what should we continue, what should we stop doing, or maybe iterate on and experiment with. And I think the other piece of that too is it allows us to get a better sense of, okay, what can we expect in the future? So if you're an HR professional and you want to try to fill um, roles in a certain region or for a certain position, um, you might wanna send out some different types of emails and really understanding what kind of emails are gonna be effective. What emails are people opening? What are they clicking? What kinds of content are they consuming? And sometimes you might find that um, content that you're sharing, it might not just be about the jobs, but they might want to learn more about your company. And so a lot of that engagement, all of those different metrics become so critical to even allowing you to understand who your audience is and who mm-hmm. you're speaking to. And then when it comes to conversion, you know, anything that we produce from a marketing perspective, we want to make sure that it always ties back to Um, our our ultimate goal, right? So uh, whether that is um, eventually getting someone to buy a product or to sign up for a newsletter, engage with a social post, even just understand who we are as a company, um, understanding what your goal is for any piece of content you're producing, and then making sure that you're tracking against that goal, you have that tie back to, okay, does this email connect back to what my ultimate goal is. Are we bringing awareness of our company? Are we educating them on activities and events and why it's so great to work here? Um, those things become so important and as you're crafting your content and just having that focus, that thread back to your company, your, your purpose for creating content, um, You know that's just so important to anything that you produce. Um, I think one thing when it comes to marketing there's so many different ideas and so many different ways you can get creative, different types of content you could produce. Um, and, and sometimes we get shiny object syndrome. You know, we see, oh, we can start, you know, there's a new social channel that popped up. You know, do we experiment with that? Do we take our times and figure out what that looks like? And, you know, it really comes down to what what you want to produce for your, um, your company and if that aligns with your goals. But essentially, you want to make sure that anything that you're producing, it, it ties back to, um, the the purpose of of what you're doing. Absolutely. And then when it comes to being people first, you know, when it comes to sending out mass communication, I think sometimes we can get into this uh, paralysis of all right, there's so many people we're speaking to, but then we lose sight of the individual at the end of the computer screen or the end of the phone who mm-hmm. might be engaging with our content. And when we talk about being people first, we always have to remember as marketers, you know, these aren't just numbers, they're not just names in a database, like they're human beings, uh, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So whenever we are approaching marketing, whenever we're approaching our content, we want to make sure that everything that we're doing, we are creating it for people. So that means keeping it, um, you know, keeping it conversational in some cases, making sure that we are uh, not using too much jargon, things like that, and just really Mm -hmm. focused on the value that we're bringing to that person. And then of course finally being on brand one of my favorite topics uh, to talk about but i from an hr perspective you know i think it's so important for teams to make sure that what you are producing looks and feels like your company and there there is that cohesion so this is where you know really allying and uh collaborating with your marketing team Mm -hmm. making sure that uh, from a visual perspective from a tone perspective um, everything that you're producing is is seamless to a degree and really gives people, um, future employees, a good glimpse of what it's like to work at your company. Everything should feel the same to, to yeah. an extent and, and that should really come through any materials that you're producing.
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, when we think about a recruiter's position or open recs that they have, right? Yeah. Oftentimes we talk on this program about how they're no longer just competing with the competitor down the block, right? Right. The the person in the same industry. If you are in the retail space, you are now competing with delivery services and all sorts of other things. And tonight the music seems so loud, right? Like you have to stand out and by standing, by sticking to your brand, you're able to keep the, the main thing, the main thing and say, Hey, the job may be very similar. It's a customer service representative here. It's a customer service representative here. The difference is, our organization. And you can find how that's effective. I think through data and analytics and everything like that, that you yeah. mentioned at the, the, the top of it, but Monica, Definitely. we have two other guests Yes, and I'm yes. not, I'm not <laughs> kicking you out. You're going to be back on, we're going to talk about tips and tricks later. Not um, headed. but I think the one thing that really stemmed from all of that is it kind of starts with content, right? Like what you are producing, what mm-hmm. eyeballs are, you know, being Shown uh, essentially from your organization, so yeah. I'm going to bring on one of our content marketers. So that's okay we and then we'll bring great. you back on at the end. Perfect, awesome. Thank you, Monica. Uh, without any further hesitation, let's bring on Jen Thomas to the program. Jen, how are you? Good. Good. <laughs> so I, I teased and talked with Monica a little bit there. You are on our content team. I am. Um, tell me what goes into that. What What kind of content are you producing on a regular basis? Um.
3: Well, let's see here. We we really run the gamut. I'd say by maybe 10 o'clock, I've probably looked at a case study, okay. some emails, um, a blog, maybe a few ads, um, some event branding for I Am Phenom, yeah. maybe a press release. Okay. Um, I could keep going. So not,
1: not too much <laughs> at the end of the day. You have more room for other things on your plate. And I, I think the next question is, obviously, the news cycle has been rampant with talks of generative AI, and it has completely done all of that work for you, right? You are leveraging generative AI for reviewing case studies, blogs, the the whole nine. Am I way off there by saying that? A little bit.
3: Well, what I want to say about my previous comment, um, there there is a lot. There's a lot to yep. to look at, but part of that, I think, is is due to all the innovation you know from from a product perspective so um yes there's a lot of content um and yes i think that there is an opportunity for gen ai to help and we have been experimenting with it um you know mainly i think for some of those basic tasks um it it has been helpful you know we've been using it to drop in some of our boilerplates. Mm-hmm. you know when we're writing content We don't have to go um, searching other Google Docs or our website to pull in that content. And that's um, a big time saver for us. Um, Same thing. You know, we have so many different products. We don't have to, you know, go and drop that in. You know, we can find a way to just have that pop up in our flow of work. Um, So by having things like that happen within that flow you know, you have more time then to focus on the strategic aspects, you know, what is that messaging that we need? You know, how, how can we make this messaging more tailored to our audience that Mm -hmm. we're trying to reach? Um, So we're playing with that. Um, We have leveraged Gen AI for tone as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we're seeing it it can do some of that. Um, Also, I think for I have, I struggle with outlining personally. Um, so I think that it can help with some outlining work. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you just need some ideas, you know, we, we produce a lot of webinars here. And if we're trying to think of a, a creative way to show something graphically, mm-hmm. you know, I can pop in, you know, what are some ideas for a visual mm-hmm. and, you know, get, get that going. Yeah, well. yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, so. In short, it's not, it's not taking your job. No, it
3: is. (laughs) No, 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 no. It is.
1: What I would like to describe uh, is maybe uh, if you buy a new car, it's the wax that goes on. It makes it shiny. It makes it neat. And perhaps a a product marketer on our team, Kevin Binko always says there's few things that are as intimidating as staring at a blank sheet of paper. So relating this to recruiters, right. To, to think like a marketer. I think if you have a perhaps job description and you want to create email copy about it in when I was a recruiter and this is why I was a bad recruiter, Jen, I would copy and paste the job description and throw it in there. No wonder why I'm not a recruiter anymore. But if you're able to leverage tools like Phenom X plus and say, Hey, can you create a cadence of 10 emails right around this job description, encouraging an individual to apply or to sign up for a job network or Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, that could be a use case of leveraging content that recruiters already have and turning it into 10 different pieces of content
3: i think it is a great jumping off point um that can save a lot of valuable time and then making sure that you go in review and it's really the editing process that you know and that's where you know, your team can really help, but it gets that fundamental content there mm-hmm. instead of starting from nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it can
1: be a, a little bit less, less daunting. Right? Yes, I for sure. At the yep. beginning of the, the program where, uh, you know, we talked to some customer facing teams and they said they're hesitant to send campaigns because it, just has campaign in it right where you are sending out to a mass audience you can use it to proofread right theoretically yeah. oh, no yeah. typos anything like that so exciting and stuff and you
3: can you can tailor it to what you need as well so that your product names are in there it, the way you need it spelled yeah. with your own you know personalized capitalization hyphenation yeah. um that saves a ton of time
1: we all know organizations love to spell their company names wrong to be yeah cute and clever <laughs> we we can't have that in the spell check era um generative ai will help but we talk about all this content and you i think you alluded to it a little bit there um ways to engage to make it engaging mm-hmm. um i think there was a time and a place where plain text emails um, reigned supreme right you could be very descriptive and use creative language in order to engage folks now i think folks are finding new ways to engage things. And I want to find out from a marketing perspective, how do you look at a piece of content and say, is this going to attract eyeballs and attract attention from my target audience?
3: I think the number one rule is that you have to be authentic. And especially today, where more and more companies are and people are using Gen AI, um, it's more important than ever. You know, people can see through. Mm-hmm. It, if if you're not authentic. So, part of authenticity um is bringing in, you know, real personality to it. Um and it's harder when you're you're using like the marketing lingo versus if it's not actually coming from a person. Mm-hmm. Um I know we've actually seen some of our plain text emails that are coming from say one of our um, product marketers or um, somebody who's actually hosting one of our webinars versus if it's coming from marketing, because they're actually able to send that email saying like, I'm inviting you to this and here's why, you know, it's important to you. It's going to address these pain points. And I do think that that speaks to the audience more than if it's coming just from marketing, because we can't say I, you know. And people tend to resonate with that personality and that personal feeling more. Um, so I I do think authenticity really does matter. Um, as much pers- personal story that you can engage um, or that you can infuse in there, I think helps. Um, I know you know this story. Um, I'm looking at washers and dryers and I have been researching up and down the Internet to try to find out, you know, which which ones I should buy. And I keep finding conflicting things. And at the end of the day, all I want is, you know an expert who is unbiased, who's Mm -hmm. going to steer me in the right direction. I don't want them to be just trying to sell me their product, but you know, do I really need an agitator in this day and age or no? Mm -hmm. Um, if I buy a front loader, is it going to smell like mold if I don't leave the door open Mm -hmm. and I want a trustworthy source. And I think that that's what I would love to bring to our content. Um, you know, from a product perspective and, you know, dishwasher (laughs) expert. but i i think it's important um to to bring that um to all of all of your content um try to become that expert voice and don't just try to sell your product yes. to yeah. to your audience yeah. you know
1: and I, I apologize not a dishwasher expert a washer dryer <laughs> well expert. that too yeah. but they all <laughs> are the same no and i think what you said there is is important right because when we are I mentioned it at the top of the program. Um, Recruiters are are synonymous with sales, right? You're trying to sell a position. It is inherent that you are going to, at times, come off a bit salesy, right? Um, But being genuine, and I think uh, uh, tying on to creating those stories and, and putting a personality behind it, if you are hiring for a customer service member and you have a story from them of their success, of what they enjoy about the job. It's going to come off less salesy than we have a great company culture. We have a ping pong table. We have this. It's, you know, Joe or Sally or whoever it may be saying, I love this position because I am a working parent. I am able to have flexible hours while still getting my work done and I can bring my entire self to work. Yeah. That means more, right? At, at the end of the day, at least it does for me. I, it may not resonate with everyone, which is where that varying content, I think, comes into play. Right? And
3: you know where some of our customers are really doing well with this is they're showcasing it with real videos on mm-hmm. their career sites, yeah. Um in within their chatbots too they're showcasing people on the job they're not just showing all the glamorous stuff either they're showing this is what's happening on the job yeah if you're doing this it's going to be raining sometimes you're going to be out in the elements but here's why it's worth it and it, it, they're just doing a really authentic job with it mm-hmm. um and you know they don't want people to start and then quit after two days of work, mm-hmm. because it wasn't meeting their expectation of the job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know. Um, in years past, when I when I was a recruiter, um, one of the hiring managers used to curse during the interview process. Not to scare anyone, right. but to say, "Hey, if you're not comfortable with that sort of work environment, it's probably you're probably going to be uncomfortable here." So, I'm right. not recommending that, nor saying that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's just a true story that happened, and I think it's genuine to your point. Yeah. I want to ask you the next question which is is, i think it's a tough one from a marketer's perspective and from a recruiter's perspective Mm so recruiters obviously the end goal is to get applications right Mm -hmm. that is the cta or the call to action right from a marketer we want people to buy our product we want them to request demos that is Mm -hmm. oftentimes the cta yep and it's tough to sometimes say hey it, it doesn't need it. Do you think that every piece of content or every email that a recruiter may be sending out requires a call to action to apply or to join a talent network? Or can there be just some informational and engaging content that is sent out from a recruiter's perspectives?
3: I do not think that every piece of content should have a CTA, especially blaring, you know, like apply now, register now, read now. Um, I know from a marketing perspective, um, especially depending on what you know, if it's an email, um, you know, marketing email, we're going to have those CTA buttons, yeah. you know, and if anyone's watching, you know, you're like, Oh, well, what about those emails? We just got to watch this episode. <laughs> um, you liar. <laughs> um, but I think that it really depends on what you're trying to get somebody to do. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from a journalism background, I, I think that, you know, with journalism, you are just trying to get somebody to read something to share, you know, to be knowledgeable about the subject matter. So I think that there's different reasons why you're getting some somebody to read something and trying to nurture what you are saying, um, your audience is important. So I don't think every CTA should be that button to, to register now, to apply now. Um, what I do think is that there are other ways that you can guide them to the next step. And I do think that's important, especially because there's so many options to do that. Um, you can send them to, um, especially like to your career site to learn more, you could send them to another article or blog. Um, you could send them to G two um, to read reviews as to why people love your company so much. Um, and I know, like on our for us, you know, we we have so many articles on our blogs that we we could send them to uh, other product pages that are geared specifically to to speak to whether um, you know companies that are in retail and hospitality for all products that are geared mm-hmm. specifically to that industry. So there are ways to to be helpful without saying, you know, get a demo yeah. because it's just a, sometimes it's just too much, yeah. you know, you you really are almost like ruining that relationship there. Mm-hmm. It's too much of a hard sell. I think.
1: It's like walking on to a, a car dealership. Yes. Right. Where it, you, the first, they yeah. have a line.
3: And then you want to <laughs> run away, you, <laughs> No, know, like, oh, like you hide from them. I'm
1: just looking uh window shopping today. Uh, yes. But I, I think you raise an excellent point is You can have a CTA, but it doesn't have to be a form fill. It doesn't have to be an application. It can be just more brand awareness, organization awareness, and that is sufficient enough. Um, Right. My demand
3: gen team is probably going to hate
1: me. (laughs) Yeah. Don't don't worry. They're up next. Uh, (laughs) Stay tuned. Uh, But no, the next thing that that always pops up to me is there's content everywhere, right? I, I said, tonight, the music seems so loud. Too long, didn't read. Is there a secret sauce to perhaps copywriting tips to messaging tips where you have found, I don't want to call it the secret sauce, but a formula that works for you as to how much copy or how much content is maybe too little versus too much. Um, mm. Is there, is it just something that you've gotten a feel for, uh, you know, throughout your your career or are you constantly tweaking with it?
3: Um, I think it really depends one on the quality mm-hmm. of the content um, two on the channel that you're using to share it um, and then on the visual presentation um, of the content. So like is it an email, is it social? Is it a case study um, you know, just speaking about a case study because I'm so close to our customer stories and our, our case studies, like that's an opportunity where, it's going to be longer you know especially if you have a great story you're not going to cut that because that's the case study but mm-hmm. if you're going to run a social post about it yeah you're you're going to make it shorter um you know any opportunity that you have whether it's in an email or social to divide up that content um you know put a word period you know make a space yeah. that helps people get to the next part, Mm -hmm. um, without just seeing one big long run on, you know, paragraph and they're not going to read it. But at the end of the day, if the content itself isn't good, they're, they're not going to read it. So Mm -hmm. I think those three elements, um, the quality, the channel you're sharing on and like how it's presented visually really dictate
1: that absolutely um and i think that's important i mean i'm looking at bullet points right now so that i can get through it um which is <laughs> which is how i consume content i think yeah. everybody is is different last question that i have for you jen before we bring our demand gen team on mm-hmm. and you fight it out about ctas um <laughs> obviously you don't you you create content every day but it's not posted every day and there is evergreen content right. i, I want to ask you is there a way that you can decipher when maybe some piece of content has gone stale? Because at the end of the day, yes, ignorance is kind, but pain is all you'll find. So how do you figure out when it's time to maybe refresh content or take it down permanently?
3: So sometimes we have um, very timely pieces. Like the beginning of this year, we had 2024 talent trends. So Mm -hmm. obviously that's still, you know, very relevant. Yes. Um, But say, you know, that's a piece that we did, we did 2023 tra- mm-hmm. talent trends, because it performed yeah. so well last year. Um But obviously, there's, you know, by the time December rolls around, we're going to, you know, do another episode. Yeah. So when anytime that you have a year associated with something, you're, you're gonna want to get rid of that. Yeah. Um With pandemic related um content, that's something that, you know, we would probably, you know, get rid of. Um, but having a content calendar in general is something that we work off of. Um, and I think it's important to have, you know, planning ahead makes it a lot easier to execute across the board, um, and be more strategic. You're going to want to have, you know, your recurring posts. Um, also it gives you opportunity to, to pull, and check on, you know, what content you need to optimize, what you need to pull. Um, Also just, you know, giving visibility to your cross-functional teams to make sure that, you know, they're involved in what's going out the door.
1: That makes sense. You take a look at what's, what's performing. If it has a year or a date attached to it, it's never going to dance again. Um, Jen, this has been super helpful. Thank you for, for chatting with me all about content. Uh, you mentioned 10 a.m. You had a few things on your your plate, so I want to let you get back to those. Um, but in the meantime, if you know you have any more further questions around content, you can always reach out to us. Um, and without any further hesitation, we are going to bring on Kainat Nofal uh, to talk about demand gen. Hey, Kainat how are you
0: hi i'm good how are you
1: i'm all right are you ready to knock jen's teeth in after what she said about ctas
0: (laughs) no actually i It's going to come as a surprise for some of the demand gen members, but yeah. I don't 100% disagree with what Jen said. Okay. Um, so there can be a call to action, of course, but it doesn't have to be a form fill, like you yeah. said. It mm-hmm. can be something more educational, something that we're sending them to get more nurtured before they take an action. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. No, yeah. then uh, <laughs> peacekeeper here. All, all yeah. is done. Yeah, we're um, good. <laughs> I, Kyra, I obviously from a demand gen perspective, it, it may not 100% align to what goes into a recruitment marketers day. But the one similarity that I think is, is super important here is when you look at a recruiter's rec load or or their workload, they're going to have different positions that require different candidates, different skill sets, things like that, essentially creating audiences. I want to ask you when, you know, you look from a marketing perspective to create audiences, how personalized or unique can you make them versus how generic can you make them to reach the masses? Is there a, a process that, that you go through for that?
0: Yes. So deciphering the, the audience for any campaign, whether it's uh, going to be a very targeted one or something that we send to a large audience. Um, in my opinion, my cheat sheet is like addressing the two W's um, that's kind of my cheat sheet. Okay. Um, so those two W's are uh, the who and the why. Uh, when I, the, who is the piece where you're segmenting a target population based on what they're looking for, do they, um, do they align with the goals that you've set for your campaign? Uh, do they have a persona that you have, you're setting a relevant criteria and that can have a persona, everything that goes into, uh, choosing this target population for your campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other thing would be the why. And the Y piece is basically the reasoning behind choosing this target population. And both of these Ws basically go back to your goal um, as to you're filling, uh, like we said, in in recruitment marketing, if you are filling a role, you have a vacancy, what is your goal? Are you just um, trying to make people aware or inform them of uh, some vacancies that are coming? Mm -hmm. Or you are trying to actually fill a role which is time sensitive? So then you will have a very clear um, target audience in mind, and that would come from the who, by segmenting that audience, what is the demographic that you need, what is the skill set that you need, all of those things. And then why do you think that this um, target population will resonate, well, the messaging that you're sending out will resonate well with them, Mm -hmm. or your brand's communication will be uniquely relevant or will feel so to them?
1: Yeah. That, so
0: th- that's that's how I decipher audiences for my campaigns. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's in, those two Ws are very important. And I think of, from a recruiter's perspective, one use case would be campus recruitment, right? You are at the University of North Carolina. That is your who. Why are you reaching out to them? Because you met them at their career fair, right? Yeah. Now, you can probably get even more segmented into that based on what their major is, what positions they're yeah. looking for, what year they are in school. They'll soon be
0: in market yes. looking for jobs. So mm-hmm. that's that's going to be your defining moment of like, you know, you're going after this population because yeah. um, they will soon be looking for jobs.
1: Absolutely. Now it raises the next question. How frequently can you message them? I, nobody wants to be the double texter, right? <laughs> Recruiting and dating are, are kind of the same. You don't want to send two messages and not get anything back. So from a reaching a, the personalized masses right a very unique audience in this perspective is there a cadence that you should perhaps stick to when reaching out is it could it be weekly could it be hourly could it be daily what is what does that look like uh, maybe from a marketing perspective and what you would imagine it to be from a recruiting perspective
0: so as a marketer i think when you from like a textbook perspective it's like one to two emails Per week you don't yeah. want to pester people more than that yeah. in a week um, but then i think there are two things that can actually help you with uh setting that cadence one would be what are what is your again tying back to the goal is your goal uh is your campaign a goal-oriented campaign or is it growth-oriented campaign uh if you're going to have a goal-oriented campaign let's say again you're trying to fill a role yeah. uh it is time sensitive or you're trying to get everyone to that fair that we were just mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, so if you want to get people there, uh, you have seats to fill. There's a certain timeline attached to it. You will set your case cadence based on that. Okay. So, I from a from a demand gen perspective, I would expose them to my message or, you know, expose them to, you know, this is coming up. Uh once and then the second uh, thing that I send them would be a reminder to take an action. The third one would be maybe like a last chance, urgency kind of email that I'm sending them. Mm-hmm. So this is the typical that I would follow. Uh, but then there's also, like I said, growth-oriented uh, campaigns. So my if I'm just trying to get um, a certain population to stay engaged because I don't want to lose them. I don't want to forget about them. Not everyone is ready in the database to take an action right yeah. now. So I I don't want to forget about those that are not taking action, but maybe down the line will be taking that action. Mm-hmm. So I will uh, send them an email just enough times to keep them engaged. Yeah. So that so I don't want to pester them, but at the same time, keep them in the engaged bucket when whenever I need an action to be taken from them, I can go back to them and bring them in. And the last thing would be both of these things also um, tie back to you. Over time, you will learn the behavior of your audience. So if your audience is uh, the pattern of their behavior will also dictate whether they like the last chance more, not like mm-hmm. you'll send the last chance the first time <laughs> you're sending them the email, yes. but you know that they will take action then. So mm-hmm. you set your expectations that way. Yeah.
1: And I imagine you you look at data and analytics into that as well. Yep. But um, I, one thing that just popped into my mind where you want to nurture someone, I think I'm you know on TikTok and I scroll through and I see recruiters saying, Hiring managers just won't get back to me, right? We haven't made a decision on that those positions. You want to nurture that candidate, but maybe not pester them with a phone yeah. call every day. Yeah. Maybe not, you know, send them an email every day. You mentioned one to two a week. In between there, it could be a one-off. It's like, hey, we haven't heard anything back yet, but... I want to make sure that you're still on the market. um, And here's a piece of content why, you know, we think you would be a great fit here and it's company culture related or something, but back to the data and analytics of it, you mentioned you start to learn patterns of what your audience does. How frequently should you look at analytics and make judgment calls on things? We all know that Jen creates great content, but maybe the email you know, that you had sent didn't get as many opens or in a recruiter's case applies. Do you tweak with the subject line first, the messaging? How do, how do things go into that when you're looking at data?
0: Yeah. So again, I think I've said this a hundred times in my conversation with you already, like goals. If your goal is to just make a, a certain population aware
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, you can have a long-term strategy and you will not look at your emails every day because now you, you have a set pattern, you have nurture streams that are running. So you don't need to go back and look at them every single day, unless your nurture streams have like, you know, something like Jen said, if it is something uh, related to a year or the pandemic Mm -hmm. language is in there, you need to change that out. But, but, You don't need to go back and look at that every day, but there's some things that are, again, time sensitive. Uh, There's a timeline attached to them and you need to fill those roles or you need to get get people to something. You need to iterate quickly and you need to learn and adapt because those are the ones that are going to be successful at the end of the day. So those campaigns for those campaigns, you would want to track your sends every time and you would want to look at one the open rates every market it would say CTR. Yes, CTR, of course, but like Jen and I said, every email does not need to have a, a call to action to convert. So yeah. so you wouldn't be looking at the click-throughs um if you, or you would be looking at the click throughs but not the conversion rates if your goal was not to convert them mm-hmm. but just to educate them. Yeah. So the open rates would be definitely your best bet if you're just trying to educate and inform and aware a certain population. Um, The CTRs, the click-through rates, and the conversion rates are your best friend when you want uh, to fill seats, when you want uh, someone to take an action on something that you're sending them. And then at the same time, there's also market trends. So you would also go back and see if there's recession, Uh, your messaging would automatically or should automatically change from the regular messaging to now solving that pain point. Yes. Um, so now you're iterating uh, your emails based on the market trends. Mm-hmm. Are people looking for jobs in the market? Are they not looking for jobs in the market? So uh, so that's the process uh, of like iterating. And you always have to look at the bounce rates, unsubscribe rates, all of those things, because they're the ones that are actually going to tell you that you need a cleanup in yeah. your database. Um, yeah. So for emails, that's, that's I think the metrics that I look at.
1: Absolutely. No, and I, it, again, it's all going to stem from the audience that you you yes. create at the top level. You have to be organized from the top and work your way down. Um, and that's, that's super helpful to not maybe look at click-through rates when you're just, uh, or to only look through click-through rates when you're just sending nurture campaigns and things like that, not necessarily the conversion. Um, we can't talk about, you know, mass emailing folks and sending out a lot of messages if we don't talk a little bit about regulation, right? I know that there are, probably different regulations from traditional marketing compared to recruitment marketing. But when it comes to your side of the house, demand gen on a marketing team, are there any things that you have to be mindful of, whether it be um, where you get information from, um, how many people you send to, do folks have to opt in, stuff like that?
0: So one quick thing would be, I think that would go a long way for anyone, whether that's someone in demand gen or recruitment marketing. And that would be don't email people if they don't want you to email. <laughs> that's them. Fair. Yeah. So we don't want to email people uh, if they have not consented to receiving um, communications. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there, there are two big ones that we look at. The first one is the can spam and the other is GDPR. Of course, uh, everyone knows about them. Uh, we want to look at um, giving or or we want to basically uh give an option for someone who we're emailing to unsubscribe mm-hmm. because sometimes these things are tricky i might be on a page and might have clicked something that opted me in because i did not read through it completely yeah. uh so sometimes uh um, th- these tricky things put you in an emailing li- on an emailing list and then now you want to get out of it so um the regulations ask um of anyone who's sending the campaign out to uh have a clear and conspicuous uh unsubscribe link. So you want to have it in there so you have you give your audience an option to unsubscribe just not not get any emails anymore. Um then you also want to be sure that you are what what subject line you're putting out there is relevant to the content or is uh telling the recipient of the email what will be in the content. So it, you you cannot be writing something very vague and then well you can be vague with it but you can't just be completely different from what your what's going to be in the email because then mm-hmm. that's going to be like phishing or something yeah. you know mm-hmm. so um so that's one piece and the last thing is you want to make sure that the campaign that you're sending out has your information in it so it should be very clear where they can reach you if something happens if there's some uh, some sort of concerns that they have they can reach out to you um and then with it every country every region has their own regulations of course all the different industries would have that too mm-hmm. uh, but then the most important one is data protect protection where you're getting that data from um how are you using it uh don't share it with even within your internal teams if someone does not need to look at the data don't share it yeah. Um, so just be really uh, crisp and clear about where you're getting the data from and how you're using it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty much what we do on a daily basis for regulations so and no try that. to try to keep that in check. It like makes sense. Get sued.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I'll tell you who's the worst culprit: po- politics. I I get text messages all the time from candidates that I do not support um, about things and they have the opt out process (laughs) and everything like that. I don't know where they got my information from. It's not fair, but neither here nor there. You don't want to be in the same vein as them as a recruitment marketer. You want to offer those opt outs and align with your, your candidates as well. So kind of, this has been awesome. Thank you so Thank much you for, for joining. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll have you back on soon. You, sure. It wasn't yeah. too bad,
0: right? Yeah, it wasn't was too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, I was worried, but not that much, but I think it wasn't that bad. <laughs>
1: you did fantastic. Um uh, <laughs> with you. that, I promised that we would bring Monica back onto the program for tips and tricks. So let's bring Monica back. We're back after commercial break. Um, Okay, Monica, thank you. Um, I hope you enjoyed Karnat and and Jen's two sessions. How were they?
2: Always. They were great. They were great. Hit the nail on the head on every front. (laughs) Awesome.
1: Awesome. Well, I I mentioned, you know, being the head of of content, you always want to make sure that we tie up all of our loose ends and, and everything like that at the end. So I want to run through tips and tricks for maybe the audience at home who, if this is the only portion of the episode that they caught, they have something to take home with and apply. So when it comes to recruitment marketing, oftentimes we think email. Mm -hmm. Any email tips that you could share with them that they could start using today?
2: Yeah. Um, A couple of tips, definitely recommend uh, setting up some sort of calendar and planning at least a month out of the emails that you would like to send Getting an understanding, as Kainat mentioned, you know, who are your audiences? Um, why are you sending certain emails? What goals are you trying to accomplish? Are there jobs you're trying to fill? Awareness of your company that you're trying to uh, build? Are there events happening? Starting to document those, outline those, build that plan. That will make the content creation process, the email sending process, all of that goes so much more smoothly. And you'll feel even more confident in what you're sending out there. And then on on top of that, I would say, you know, definitely pay attention to your subject lines. You want to try to keep them on the shorter side. Uh, Best practices. Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to remember exactly what the best practice is. But generally, you want to stay under 65 characters. Um, Keep them, again, keep them on the shorter side um, try to make them more specific to the content in your email. Um, you, you, you want to give people a reason to open your, your content. So, you know, if you have an event going on call those things, those types of things out in yeah. your subject lines, um, asking questions, uh, saying that there's new job openings, things like that, that will really, uh, you know, catch somebody's eye in, yeah. in their inbox. Um, and then finally, you know, when it comes to the content itself, Keep your content concise. Keep it short and sweet, to the point. Um, especially when it comes to emails and on mobile devices, super long content can be cumbersome to navigate through. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you have really clear uh, call to actions. If you have call to actions in there, and you know, it doesn't have to always be just apply to a job, but whatever you're linking to, just make sure that that's easily accessible, uh, and you'll be you should be good to go.
1: All right. Um, the next hot hot topic is. Everyone, you know, has a podcast. Everyone has a blog. Everyone is doing video content. Um, When it comes to that, how similar should it be towards your email content, right? Mm -hmm. You mentioned at the top of the program, you want the messaging, the brand voice to be the same, Um, any tips and tricks when creating that? Because obviously it's going to be a little bit different than regular writing.
2: Sure. Yeah. Great question. To be honest, you are probably <laughs> more apt to answer this question and provide tips for our viewers. Um, but I will say, you know, I, I think a lot of it does come back to being authentic. And you know, when it comes to creating video content, and, and something that I've learned too, because I primarily write content, I'm not producing a lot of videos. But something that I've I've learned and what I've seen with you know the evolution of the show and the types of videos that that we create, you know, it's it's really about that. Um, the, the, bite size, the, the bite size content and messages that you're producing, um, trying to not make it too salesy and making sure that it's entertaining. Um, and, and it, it depends on the types of video content you're creating too. Absolutely. Um, but it, you know, making sure that you're conveying the right, uh, aspect of your brand and, and your mm-hmm. company, you have the right folks, you know, speaking and, and presenting too.
1: Yeah. I, um, I, I liken it to, had. um, to cocktail hour at a wedding. Right. If you were to put all of those little hors d'oeuvres onto a plate during cocktail, it would be a huge meal. Right. Same thing for perhaps the, the beverages that you're consuming or whatever it is. Right. Bite sized content, keep it short, keep it simple, but have longer form content for folks if they're interested. And then when it comes to, you know, applying for jobs or if you have a position open get content out there right yeah. and no one's going to see it if you don't post it that would be my two cents yeah, but yeah. what do i know right <laughs> and you're you're the expert uh
2: I, I think too just to add to that as well like from the hr perspective yeah. with with video content you know showing your people yes. i think that at the end of the day is is really going to be your your uh golden nuggets <laughs> to to really get folks interested and engaged in in your company and, and working there
1: yeah how do you how do you know what's working when it comes to content from Um, an email campaign, it kind of talked a lot about, you know, analytics and stuff like that Mm -hmm. from a writer's perspective, right? Uh, Do you ever self-reflect and say, maybe it's not the subject line, right? Or maybe it is the subject line. Maybe it's the content within there. How do you reflect on some of the content you've created and iterate and improve for, for better metrics and performance?
2: Yeah, that's, it's a great question. I think the most important thing is, Whatever me- content medium it is, if it's email or if it's a blog or you know social or an ebook or something, you know we always want to be looking at okay what are the most important metrics for this uh, type of content. So if it's an email, you know we we work closely with Kynot to see okay what was the open rate for that uh, email, what was the click through rate. If the open rate was low that indicates to us that okay we did not have a compelling subject line or the topic might not have resonated well with our audience and then we start to do kind of a little bit of an investigation in terms of all right who did we send it to you know did we miss the mark on the content is it not valuable to this particular audience um and that and that starts to get us closer to an understanding of okay this is what is wrong and this is how we might be able to correct it
1: okay all right that makes sense monica Any other tips and tricks that I may not have mentioned that you wanted to share with the audience before we sign off?
2: The only thing I'd say is, you know, just embrace the learning process and and don't be afraid to get started. Um, You know, just starting to build out those calendars and just brainstorming, okay, here's what I'd like to create from a content perspective, taking a look at other companies, look at other career sites, sign up for newsletters and see what others are doing in that space, get inspiration from them. Um, Marketers also really love to create Marketing content about marketing, and there's so much res there's so many resources and research out there that highlights different best practices and uh, statistics and benchmarks to help you navigate some of the complexities of okay how do we how do we grow this thing now that we've started it? Yeah.
1: Marketers they love marketing right? Yeah. ABM is yes. always be marketing in my <laughs> my opinion. Monica, this has been absolutely spectacular. Thank you. To you.
2: Thank you. Thank Thanks you for to Jen. Us.
1: Thank you to Kina. Um, Thank you to Justin Devitt, the Wizard of Oz behind the screen here for pulling all the ones and twos. Um, that does it for today's TXL. Uh, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about skills. And I think the following week, we're going to bring on some recruitment marketers to talk about this as well. So you've gotten the marketing perspective. Um, we're going to give folks a week to try it out. And then we're going to hear from recruitment marketers on how wrong we really were. Because Guilty feet have no rhythm, Monica. Uh, Anywho, I hope everyone has a fantastic Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, I know we are all sad that football season is over, but don't worry. In April, it's not just Taylor Swift who's dropping an album. I Am Phenom is also coming, so you won't want to miss that. If you're flying in from all different parts of the country, we know what you'll be listening to, and we can't wait to discuss it with you April 23rd through the 25th. In the meantime, we'll see you next week, and have a great day thanks talent experience live of course is proudly brought to you by the good folks here at phenom whose purpose is to help a billion people find the right job our intelligent talent experience platform which helps candidates find the right roles faster employees evolve in their current roles and beyond recruiters achieve some next level productivity and managers build better teams with data and analytics and of course all of this is powered by super slick artificial intelligence and machine learning. So head on over to phenom.com to learn more.